Hey, it's Kanzano. I appreciate you making this podcast part of your day. Make sure you subscribe if you want more and leave us some feedback. Away we go. Initialize sequence. Welcome to The Baldcast, a production of John Kanzano's Baldface Truth. We'll take some phone calls this hour. I want to hear from you, 503-417-7575. You know, I said, look, uh, great writing coach told me, make them laugh, make them cry, but first, make them wait. Don't give them the resolution up front. You know, anybody who's seen YouTube channels knows that that's kind of the... uh, that's the the mantra there on those uh, some of those YouTube channels that uh, get great traffic. You know, they make you sit there and wait. You ever done that on social media? You're waiting through a reel or waiting through a TikTok, and then it ends, and you're like, I never got to see what I was waiting for. Um, there's something to that. I feel like we're waiting a lot right now with the Trailblazers, with the Pac-12, with a whole bunch of other stuff. I'm not going to make you wait anymore for Adam Rittenberg, though. ESPN, senior college football writer. He's been all over this Northwestern Pat Fitzgerald thing, and he's joining us now. Adam, uh, I gave some advice that I got in my writing career. Give me some advice a mentor gave you once upon a time that you think about now and then. Oh, wow. Well, good to be with you, John. Um, I I know that one thing that stuck with me is when you're writing, you know, show, don't tell. And this was said Mm -hmm. to me a long time ago and is even more, I think, needed now because we do a lot of telling. We do a lot of takes. We do a lot of opining. And yet, when you're writing great, great writing is, is often, um, you know, again, showing something through your reporting or through your description or through the, the words in the eyes of others than just telling them. I think it's a much more impactful way of writing. So that's, that's one thing I always try to abide by. I probably break the rule at times myself, but it's, uh, it's definitely in the back of my mind. Pat Fitzgerald in Northwestern. Tell me, like, from your view, from when this first breaks, the good students at Northwestern do a good job on this story, to to now, like, kind of the the range of thoughts that you have had in covering this. You've done a great job on it. Thank you. Yeah, no, it, it's been a, a very unique story because, you know, investigations happen, um, and oftentimes they lead to consequences and, 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 and major consequences. The odd thing about this investigation, John, is that, the investigation didn't lead to Pat Fitzgerald's firing. It led to a two-week suspension, and then everything that happened after that led to his, his actual uh, ouster on, on Monday. And so, yeah, I thought a lot about, you know, what did I miss on the front end, you know, reading the, the initial press release and executive summary that came out a week ago Friday, um, and then how it all changed so dramatically, you know, with the, the piece on, from the Daily Northwestern and then other outlets. Obviously, we did some reporting over the weekend, you're talking to the whistleblower, the former player who came forward with these allegations back in November of 2022. And, you, you know, one thing I was thinking about today, honestly, in the, in the last day that, that maybe only crossed my mind then was that Michael Schill, the president, who certainly has faced a lot of criticism and attention uh, over the last week, you know, did reach out to the uh, former player's family on Friday of last week. So that's interesting to me because that was prior to the Daily Northwestern story that was prior to the story essentially changing. So what happened on Friday between the time Northwestern put out its announcement and President Schill reaching out to that player's family? Was it knowing the Daily Northwestern piece was coming? Was it uh, receiving more information from the investigation, uh, you know, knowing who that person was? Th- th- that, that's one of many questions that I'd love to ask President Schill, who, again, has yet to speak to the media. We're talking to Adam Rittenberg, ESPN. 
the uh, I find that interesting because normally when you get a president who makes a move like that, they stand out front, you know, if there is a precedent for something like this. But when they make a big move that impacts a football program or, or part of their university that way, they stand out front, they stand behind it. Do you have a sense of why Shill maybe hasn't come out? You know, I, I can only think of a couple of things. You know, you certainly um, it's a private school and you don't have to be as visible. Uh, you don't have to be as transparent because of the nature of the school. You know, we can't FOIA this um, this investigation. And, you, you know, he's also, as you know, has a legal background. And I'm sure Northwestern attorneys are, are, are telling him you know, to be very careful with anything he says. Um, at this point on, you, you, you know, Pat Fitzgerald has lawyered up with a, a big time attorney here in Chicago. Um, we don't know if the uh, if the players who, who were, you know, who were hazed, essentially what they're going to do from a legal standpoint. So I, I get it at this point to a degree. But, you know, again, it's been a week and there are just so many uncertainties. And I, I, I just can't get over this part, John, is that this is, you know, this is maybe the biggest this public decision that he'll make in his presidency. You know, obviously the other things that go on uh, involving the university, but the I- impact of firing Pat Fitzgerald, the most famous and, and impactful Northwestern player and coach in, in, in a major sport, uh, that, that's huge. And again, hasn't really been discussed in any sort of public forum. That's, that's certainly surprising here a week into it, a week into the initial story coming out. David Braun is their interim coach. He will uh, take over the program now. And um, give us give me a sense. Like, do you feel that Northwestern has a chance to have a uh, uh, a football season that's got focus, or is there going to be distraction in your mind throughout this season as this gets resolved? Well, I, I think it's hard to say that they'll have they'll have a distraction free season um, because uh, of what Coach, uh, coach Fitzgerald meant to the players. They were obviously. Uh, publicly supportive of him and continue to be throughout this process. But, you know, David Braun at least has been around uh, the, the players now for um, uh, about seven months. You, you know, he's one of five new assistants on the staff. So it was a largely new staff to begin with, but at least the players have uh, an understanding of who their coach is going to be and, and, uh, and can start preparing for the preseason. I know that their coaches have been around them as much as possible this week, which is, you know, normally a week where coaches are still on vacation. They're not necessarily at every 7 a.m. workout. I know that in talking to sources in that building that the coaches are doing everything they can to be around the players. So, um, you, you know, I, I understand why Northwestern went with David because he's an outsider. He hasn't been there as long as, as others and can't really be tied to the period when um, these hazing incidents were going on. Uh, but, but I think, you know, keeping the staff together, uh, trying to keep the team together, you know, they're going to try to get through this season and then obviously look to the future with a new head coach. Adam Rittenberg, ESPN, is with us. Uh, I, I continue to follow this. Uh, love your reporting on it. also want to ask you about a couple other things that are developed in the last 24 hours in college sports. Uh, Tennessee, uh, Tennessee football program uh, got slapped today with five years of probation, a fine, bunch of uh, violations, hundreds of violations. What did you make of the punishment from the NCAA to Tennessee? Well, it's certainly interesting because uh, it it was a a trove of violations and major violations, and we knew that. Uh, We knew that uh, there have been different NCAA investigations and different schools and different issues, but Tennessee's was 
was almost like comically sloppy with how they tried to cheat. Um, and, uh, and so you knew it was going to be, uh, you know, severe in, in nature, but I, I also got a little bit of a kick out of this, John. I don't know if you saw the, the, the statement from Tennessee chancellor, Donde Plowman, uh, when, 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 you know, when they came out with the uh, penalties and she mentions the lack of the bull ban in the very first line. So I just don't know how many university presidents or chancellors <laughs> on, on, on what should be an embarrassing day, a day when you get hit with more than 200 individual NCAA violations, 18 level one violations. When, when I was trying to share the list of penalties, John, and maybe I'm just bad at screenshots, I had to take two screenshots with my phone in order to show all the different uh, penalties on Twitter. And her first line mentions the lack of a bowl ban. So you kind of know where Tennessee's focus is. And, and I get it. it. It's about a program that was had a great season last year that wants to compete for the SEC and the college football playoff. But thank God we didn't get a bowl ban, even though we, uh, we were losing scholarships and have to pay an $8 million fine and, and so forth. And, and there have been some humorous comments today. Just, you know, like remember the Ohio State tattoo scandal and selling their selling their, you know, rewards for beating Michigan. I mean, we've kind of come a long way in, in NCAA infractions cases since then. Adam, uh, the, it, the Arizona State fans had to be watching what Tennessee got. Can we draw, can we reasonably draw a correlation between, hey, maybe Arizona State won't get hit as hard for within their investigation, or in your experience, has it been apples and oranges? One investigation does not necessarily dictate punishment on the next. No, I think it can be instructive to look at how the NCAA Infractions Committee is, is looking at rulings and penalties uh, with, with every case. It seems like the bowl ban, which is always seen as the is a bit of a death knell for programs, or certainly a temporary one, is not something that they, they want to use lightly. Uh, certainly Tennessee you know, would have deserved one, at least judging by how these uh, infractions uh, hearings would, would have gone not long ago. But it feels like they're kind of moving away from that, maybe going more towards financial penalties. I have mixed feelings on bowl bans. I never love when players who have nothing to do with uh, infractions have to pay the price for things that coaches and other people did who are no longer with the program. So uh, I, the thing with Arizona State, though, again, similarly sloppy, similarly uh, uh, you know, poor job of, of kind of covering their tracks, so to speak. The difference there is that the violations occurred you know, during a COVID period when you weren't supposed to be hosting and recruiting and doing all these things. And so I, I just wonder if the infractions committee looks at that in a different light than the Tennessee ones, because that was a national policy. That was something, you know, a time period when no one was supposed to be putting recruits or anyone in, in sort of harm's way from a public health standpoint. Is, is that, is does that potentially open them up for more severe penalties than Tennessee, even though the totality is, is not as is not as significant as I, um, I guess I don't think it's as significant as what we saw today from from the infractions committee in terms of listing the actual violations. Pac-12 uh, media rights negotiation is ongoing. Uh, we got some news out of the ACC yesterday. CW and the ACC have struck a deal to air 50 football and basketball games. Um, it it to me this is an exposure play for the ACC. These games will be available. People can get them. This looks good to me. Uh, it's being celebrated, I think, roundly. But uh, I think if the Pac-12 made the same deal, Adam, I think there would have been a lot of uh, naysayers on it. Uh, how are you reading this deal for the ACC? Yeah, I, I agree with everything you just said. And, and it's not fair that the Pac-12 would be getting a, a different view of it because 
from a distribution and viewership standpoint, everybody gets the CW. You know, people, not everyone gets Raycom and, and, and Valleys and some of the, these regional sports networks where their games were. And in talking to a you know, prominent source in the ACC today, they were like, our, our main games are not going to be here. But this ensures that every uh, ACC football game and basketball game will be accessible to our audience. And so that's what it's all about here. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, and again, it was not their premium package. Obviously, their their main content will still be on ESPN and the ACC network. But it uh, made, made sense to me. But I think also it's almost like anything the Pac-12 does at this point is going to be ridiculed because of the, the time period and, you know, some of the narrative that the Big 12 ha- has been able to shape here in the media and so forth. And, and so, I, listen, I, you've done great reporting on this all the way through John Wilner and you guys have done great job. I'm just so, this is one of the, I mean, I've said this on the radio before, so it's not breaking news. One of the dumbest stories I've ever seen evolve in college <laughs> yeah. sports. So yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to some type of resolution. I'm sure you can echo that to a degree being right in the middle of it. Yeah. I I'm ready for it to be over and out. Uh, all right. So a little bit of football before I let you go here, Jonathan Smith at Oregon state. We got a lot of Beaver fans listening, Dan landing at Oregon, uh, right now, the Beavers' uh, over/under win total is sitting right around eight and a half. The Ducks are sitting at nine and a half. What do you think about those two numbers? Those two coaches, both teams coming off ten win seasons. It's going to be fun to finally talk some football. So let's do it. Beavers, Ducks, give us you know your outside-in assessment of those two programs. Right. Well, I was actually fortunate enough to to, to visit both this spring, and so you're talking with both Dan and and Jonathan and, and actually seeing Oregon State practice, that was, uh, that was great just to get a little bit more insight on, on where they are. Um, I, I think they're both, you know, programs that are trending in a good direction. Uh, I'm really excited to see, you know, the, the, the follow-up at Oregon. You know, they, they, they probably were the most talented team in the conference last year and, and, and couldn't get it done at some big moments to advance to the Pac-12 championship game and try to win another Pac-12 title. And so, you know, how do they follow it up now that, you know, USC should be really good. Washington should be really good. Utah's obviously won the league the last couple of years. Um, and so, you know, getting to 10 wins is going to be maybe even a little harder this year than it was last year because of the depth of the conference. And the same with Oregon State, which got to 10 wins last year and had some great moments. Obviously, the win against Oregon, they just lose a lot. You know, they lose some, some key players. Uh, you know, Omar Spates is a big loss on defense. Um, you know, receiver position was really banged up when I was out there this spring. Obviously intrigued by DJ Wangalale and whether they can find and kind of unlock what, what, what can make him a difference maker for them at quarterback. So really one of the more interesting teams in, in the Pac-12 in the Pac uh, um, and in uh, and, and all college football. And I think people are, are learning about Jonathan Smith. You, you and your listeners obviously know a lot about him, but I think he's gaining more and more respect around the country, which is a great thing because he does a great job. Yeah, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Pac-12 Media Day coming up next week. I will see you there in Vegas, Adam. Uh, who are you most interested in talking with in Vegas uh, among the coaches? Let's start there. Yeah, I won't be there, unfortunately. I'll have some colleagues there, but I'll be certainly living vicariously through all of you. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I was able to talk with uh, with several Pac-12 coaches in person this spring, but you're certainly hearing from Kyle Whittingham and, 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 the, and the health of Cam Rising is a big story going into the year. Deion Sanders is going to be a major story. Obviously, uh, at Pac-12 Media Days, I think Chip Kelly. You know, what does UCLA do to follow up some pretty good seasons, but not a true breakthrough? 
and, you know, they're getting ready to go to the Big Ten as well in a year. You know, where are they at as a team that loses a four-year starter at quarterback and, and DTR, but you know, is going to try to maintain their momentum before they make the move to the, uh, to, to, to the Big Ten. So, yeah, th- those are some coaches, but I think it's going to be a really important event. I mean, of all the media days, I don't know if any more news is going to come out of uh, 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 any of them but the Pac-12 or more than the Pac-12 because of what, what we're all waiting on the uh, media right. Adam Rittenberg, ESPN. Thank you, Adam. I know you're busy. Appreciate your insight and your expertise. Thanks, John. Appreciate you having me on. All right. There he goes. Read him on ESPN.com. Follow him on Twitter. Love what he said. Show, not tell. You know what he means by that? Paint the picture. Don't tell people what's going on. Show them what's going on. I want your phone calls now on all those subjects, all of the waiting, the ducks, the beavers. 503-417-7575. Let it rip. Good stuff from Adam Rittenberg. Coming up, Dave Bartu, College Football Matrix, will be joining us. We will geek out with Bartu on a variety of uh, a variety of subjects as it pertains to uh, uh, college athletics and coaching in particular. Um, Adam Rittenberg doing a, doing a great job covering uh, the uh, the landscape of college football, and I and I agree with him that the Pac-12 story is silly. It is a silly story. It's a ridiculous story. And the backbiting and the destabilization attempts, particularly by people in the Big 12 footprint, are pathetic. I think in the end, you're not seeing, you know, Arizona and Utah, and you're not seeing Oregon and Washington bolting to other conferences. Um, You're just seeing a lot of talk about that, a lot of bluster, and then everybody going, well, we're not really trying to do that. Uh, keep an eye on it as uh, the Pac-12, I think, will move to a resolution. I think they'll get a deal. And finally, in September, October, November, we will start to see a bunch of football games and people will stop talking about it. On that note, we need to play some punch it audio. We interrupt this broadcast with a special announcement from the Bald Fish Truth Headquarters. Hey, we're all about truth, justice, and the American way here, okay? Which is why we've spanned the globe and pulled the top audio cuts of the day. You're going to hear little snippets of sound. Hey, it's time for Punch It Audio. Presented by First Call Heating and Cooling. Sabrina Ionescu, former University of Oregon star, scored a record 37 points to win the WNBA's three-point contest. Here's how it sounded. Ionescu had a big first round with 26. Wickham at 28. Gosh, it looks so easy, It does. Well, one of the things Sabrina's talked about shooting this year for the Liberty is she's never had this many open shots before in her career. Obviously, Brianna Stewart creates that gravity, and it's created a lot of practice for shots like that. She just cashed in on the entire money ball rack and the starry ball. Sabrina Ionescu is putting up a monster final round. Wow, she cannot miss. Whoa, Sabrina Ionescu, my goodness. Ionescu on fire. This is ridiculous. Has this arena buzzing? Finally misses. She's already up to 31 in the corner. This is incredible. Sabrina Ionescu, you bet. 
the greatest performance we have ever oh, seen in this contest, Francis. and it is not even close. Sabrina Ionescu makes a statement. Nobody's surprised in our footprint, but uh, setting a record in the three-point contest, she wins it. Crazy final round, good for her. Not surprised. Meanwhile, Blazers fans excited about Scoot Henderson. What will it be? He says it'll be showtime with he and Shaden Sharp. Here he is watching film with the ringers, Kevin O'Connor. Ooh, see, when we get that down, it's over with, man. Oh, my God. When we get that down, because it was was right there. He definitely just flat. He guy, this guy is done for. (laughs) Once you get the chemistry. Once you get that, it's over. It's going to be showtime. How would you describe Shaden Sharp to somebody who's never watched him play? Super skilled. He can do everything on the floor, man. You know, I love... I love playing with guys that, that just go out there and play to win, you know, and that's what he does. You know, he can shoot his very well. He can attack the basket. As you can see, he dunked, he dunked on uh, Jay Huff, a uh, very good shot blocker. So, yeah. uh, you know, that just tells you, you know, who he is as a player. Tell you who he is as a player. A lot of Blazer fans watching Summer League, watching highlight clips, um, and getting excited about what Scoot Henderson could be. Meanwhile, Damian Lillard announcing a summer camp that he's going to hold in Phoenix, Arizona. Well, this camp was held in Beaverton last summer. Punch it. Super excited about the second annual Formula Zero camp. We're bringing it to Phoenix this year. Looking forward to seeing a lot of the new campers. This camp is not just about helping them become better basketball players, but making them become better young men. I think that's something that was pulled out of me and which has contributed a lot to my success. Being able to share this experience with a lot of these younger guys, you know, that's what makes me the most happy and it makes me feel like I'm serving the most. So I look forward to seeing you guys again. Look, I hear people are saying Lillard's legacy won't be affected by any of this, his comments, his trade request, all of this stuff. Um, No. I think he's I think he's playing with a little bit of fire here when it comes to his legacy. I'm not saying holding your summer camp in Phoenix and not Beaverton is going to cause people to turn on you, but it's evident that he's detaching from the state of Oregon, and I don't blame Blazer fans for being annoyed with it. And you know, for a long time we heard, "Oh, he's such a great guy. He's such a great guy. Look at the camps. Look at what he stands for." In the end, NBA players are going to be NBA players. They will generally do what is best for them. If it works for you, too, you'll love them for it. Damian Lillard taking his camp to Phoenix. I don't think it's the end of the world, but it's just another stick uh, on the fire, so to speak. Jerry West, meanwhile, he's uh, he is a consultant with the Clippers, refused to answer a question on the Dan Patrick Show about James Harden. Does Harden want to go to the Clippers, stay with the Clippers, be with the Clippers? Here's Jerry West punching. Right, I don't want you to get fined here, but I saw where James. I'm, <laughs> James... I'm going to call Adam and tell him. <laughs> yes, yeah, I'll, I'll call Adam and tell him. Um, James Harden says that he wants to go to the Clippers. Uh, I'm not going to get into that one, Dan. You're not a... Okay. That, that'll cost us if, if uh, you talk about that. Well, that crosses the line. You know, players say a lot of things, Dan, but they really don't have control of where they go. In the end, Jerry West. Is he spitting truth? We'll find out. Appears that, uh, you know, Kevin Durant had some control. We've seen some other players who have struggled to have control. 
But uh, I don't think Jerry West, I don't think that's totally true. I do think players have some control over where they go. But I also think that there has been some pushback in the last 18 months or so. If we've seen some trade requests from some owners, clearly in Brooklyn, you had an owner who said, I'm not going to do what Kevin Durant wants me to do. I'm not letting him run this organization. Finally, Jerry DePoto, general manager of the Mariners. He was on Seattle Sports 710 talking about Shohei Otani. He thought it was really cool to see Mariners fans chanting Shohei's name. Punch it. I thought it was pretty cool, actually. And 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 again, just like we talked about with Julio, there's whether whether it's some form of adoration, it's a it had to feel good if you were Shohei Otani to realize that you know, a, a rival club, you know, that the fan base would react that way. And, you know, it's uh, he's a special player having a special year. And I thought it was really cool that our fans showed him that type of adoration because, you know, it was clearly not, you know, it, those were thoughts not being expressed by greater Major League Baseball fans who flew into Seattle. Those were Mariner fans, and it was pretty cool. Jerry DePoto, Shohei Otani. Every general manager in the in the Major League Baseball would love to have Shohei Otani uh, in their lineup. It's going to be really interesting to see where he finishes this season, where he starts next season. He's a free agent at the end of the season. But I think fans in San Francisco and in other places all, all chanting his name, or all would chant his name, given the opportunity. Coming up, Dave Bartu, the college football matrix. He will be with us to talk about coaching in college football. Where are the best coaching staffs? And uh, ultimately, if you are a... Uh... We interrupt this broadcast with a special announcement from the Bald hey, sorry to interrupt the podcast, but if you want to listen to more of the Bald Face Truth Radio Show, including more of this segment that you're listening to, make sure you subscribe on SoundCloud and iTunes to the Bald Face Truth Radio Show. Thanks for listening.